defends from dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby League. Rugby Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Supercoach Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Joining me today is 2019 champion Des Creek, who's actually asked us to start calling him Trent after Trent Robinson. He reckons after a big weekend that he's going to be the first coach in the Supercoach and NRL era to go back to back. Des or Trent, how are we, mate? Yeah, going well, mate. Uh, yeah, obviously had a pretty good week, Supercoach-wise. Uh, so I'm normally in a good mood going into the working week after that happens. Mate, you would be absolutely buzzing. We'll get to that in a second. And also here is 2019 runner-up, coach of number two, which is still such a depressing name, Walson Carlos. How are you, Walson? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I didn't have a bad week. I um, Not as good as Desi, who's up in the 1500s, I think. But um, I, I went from 28,000 in the 28,000s to 11,000 or, or thereabouts with uh, 1,243. So I was pretty happy with that yeah, until – until Turbo played, I was looking real good. Yeah, nice, mate. It's a very good score for this week, so a big jump for you. Um, Desi laid on us. How did you go, mate? Yeah, I scored 1330 um, with the late captain on my main man, Tommy Turbo. I uh, just diced up the dogs. A nice Sunday afternoon game. I'm sure everyone everyone's aware of it. Um, but, yeah, I actually started pretty poorly over the first couple of games. Um, obviously, my pod 5-8 Milford scored a measly 16, and uh, Osako as well, only 30-odd. But, yeah, I came home strong with the Panthers trio of uh, Coruscant, Yeo, and Mansour. They're pretty much all fired. So, yeah, came home real strong on that Sunday. That's massive, mate. What's your ranking now? Yeah, I moved from 16,000 into 1,500. Far out. Back to back. Um. I, I finished up with 11.83, which I was happy with. I was really happy with it going into that last Manly and Bulldogs game and then watching that turbo demolition unfold was just – it was nearly unwatchable for a non-owner, which was about, I think, 83% of super coaches or maybe even more. So uh, I'm into 8,000, so not too bad early on, but could be worse. I actually sent you boys a, a message in our little SC Playbook chat on, I think it was Wednesday night, saying I've got two options. I can go Stags, Twole and Drinkwater – or Yo, Madison, and Turpin. I was tossing up between the two. Ended up going the second option because I was so keen on Madison, um, and it got me about an extra 105 points or 110 points or something. So, boys, it's a, it's all coming up. SC Playbook at the moment. For anyone that is interested in enjoying the content so far, we do have a subscription in place, $30 for the NRL package, $40 for NRL, and Big Bash at the end of the year for the Supercoach there. Uh, that'll give you access to hundreds of additional articles throughout the season. We also have a, a prize for the top-ranked subscriber in our unlimited group. Uh, so the top-ranked subscriber to knock off all the contributors at SC Playbook. That'll win you to a game in 2021 a ticket to a Raiders game of choice in either Canberra or Sydney, a night's accommodation, 
return flights if the winner is outside of New South Wales and domestic only. So if you're in Antarctica and you're in the prize, you won't be getting flown up to Sydney for the game. Uh, and a fully signed Raiders 2020 jumper. Uh, with a bit of luck, we'll be able to get you into the sheds there and, and meet the boys as well. But if we go down and it happens to be a Titans game and the Raiders get thumbed by 40, I don't think Ricky Stewart will want the boys in the uh, the change room for that one. So, so that's a, a maybe for the moment. But if you are interested, jump into the group. The code is 446714. And shout out to the leader, Josh, who coaches Spartans, who's actually coming 13th overall in Supercoach and on fire. Boys, let's jump into it. Very new look game of rugby league we've seen uh, on return for round three with the new rules in place. I'm going to run through a couple of quick stats from the weekend and then I'll get your thoughts on on how it's going to impact Supercoach. Firstly, the ball was in play for an extra two minutes and 49 seconds per game. Play the balls went up 31 by 31.2 per game. Penalties were down 40 across the round. This is in comparison to rounds one and two, which is enormous. Penalty goals dropped from 16.5 per round to five, also enormous. And then line breaks went up from 6.38 to 9.63. Massive implications on Supercoach as we saw the massive scores. Walson, I'll start with you. Uh, What are your thoughts there? Oh, from an NRL point of view, I think like most people, I'm really excited about it, and it was really good footy to watch, and uh, it was great to see the fatigue side of it um, coming in, and and sort of more footy played, and um, just real battle of attrition. But uh, as we were talking about before the podcast, it has massive super coach implications, and we saw it with the scores. I mean, the scores are going to be a lot higher. There's going to be uh, a lot of players doing a lot higher tackle counts because the ball's in play a lot more, so you're getting more footy. Um, some of that was sort of amplified by, you know, uh, a golden point game and uh, with the Panthers versus the Knights and then the other one was the Warriors versus the Dragons where, um, you know, that was high completion. So that, that sort of um, amplified as well. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to change a lot of things and, and – in terms of some players that were relevant, um, they, they, they might slowly see their careers peter out, you know, the bigger players that are less mobile and that type of thing. So some of the coaches made some pretty interesting calls and we'll have a look at them in the, in the teams later for sure. Yeah, look, it's basically had the impact of what a lot of uh, purist footy fans have wanted for years in in a short, small interchange to bring the smaller guy back into the game, your Cam Murrays, your Brandon Smiths, um, get a, a quicker ruck. So they obviously haven't changed the interchange, but they have managed to speed up the ruck and speed up the game. Um, so it's just bringing your hookers, your quick hookers into contention, as we th- sort of thought might happen. Um, it's really exciting. Desi, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I thought the especially the extra two minutes of ball in play could be huge for guys like Tamalolo and Haas because like two minutes for them could be – Correlate to 10, 15 points with a, a few big charging runs through there. But, yeah, also guys like Munster just seem to come into that element um, despite being in a losing side. Like, just lots of fast play the balls from Smith, that sort of thing. Lots more attacking opportunities. Yeah, look, it's exciting stuff, lads. And I'm so intrigued to see how it will obviously pan out for the NRL itself, but for Supercoach going forward because it's going to make things really tough. And whoever can adjust... Uh, and sort of get an idea of how the game's playing out quicker than others and jump on those relevant guys. It's going to go a long way to winning Supercoach. Uh, we'll jump into the game-by-game game team analysis and get our thoughts there, fellas. 
Uh, first up, it is the Broncos and Roosters on Thursday night at 7.50 at Suncorp Stadium. At the Broncos, Jesse Arthurs replaces the suspended Tony Staggs at centre with Herbie Farnworth on the wing. Ethan Bullimore starts for Alex Glenn in the back row. Uh, they're the major additions. Jake Turpin is in major doubt after reports today suggest that he'd hurt his leg early in the game on the weekend. Um, and if that happens, Corey Pax may come in and start at hooker for the Broncos. Um, Desi, what are your thoughts on the Broncos outfit? There's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is. I mean, I go. I keep coming back to Payne Haas. I mean, it look it really does look good for him playing 80 minutes um, with the new rules. He's basically the safest captain I can ever think of in Supercoach history. I'd put him above God himself, Corey Parker, at this stage. Um, but yeah, uh, guys like Carrigan, minutes down a little bit, but I, I still think he's solid. He's got a few price rises in him. Um, as for Turpin, yeah, we brought him in this week. Um, but, yeah, what can you do? Injuries happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the Broncos to bounce back. Uh, I don't think they'll win, but I think they'll put in a better showing. Are you holding on to your boy, Milf? I am, yeah. I'm holding him. I, I bought him for a pod and he's going to stay a pod. I'm not going to sell him that quickly. Yeah, nice, mate. I know that... Walson, Walson was far less surprised than I was. I didn't think Payne Haas would play 80 minutes with the new rules in place and a few forwards back into that side, particularly Matty Lodge. But he did. He's an absolute freak. And as you said, Desi, he looks like he, he's just the safest locking captain, especially to know Jason Lolo Lolo this week. Uh, Walson, what have you got at Brisbane, mate? Yeah, it makes it hard with Haas because to, to get a player that, gives you a point of difference as a captain, which is probably my strength personally last year, you've got to back them to score 120-plus or, you know, maybe 105, 110-plus to even beat what's a standard game for Haas. I think, what did he get, 87 or something like that? Like, he's he's going to average somewhere between 80 and 95, which is just insane. So... Maybe it is just easier just to, to whack the captain. I mean, it's a bit boring, though, isn't it, boys? But, um, yeah, I, I think as soon as McCulloch got released, I was thinking to myself, who have they got as backup hookers? And I was thinking, uh, uh, it's it's sort of like just the way it always works out. I was thinking Turpin will get injured here, and and unfortunately he did. Be, but he, he's, apparently he's hurt his knee during the game and then played the, played the game out, which is a pretty pretty good effort from him. So probably the other the other players I'm mainly interested in in, in this game is Tessie New because he's a, a player that I had on my bench that I thought would come into contention through injuries or later in the year because he was a development player, but obviously they've dropped those rules now so he can come in earlier. Um, he's a highly talented player and a little bit like Stephen Crichton. I don't think it'll be too long until he finds his way into the, um, the starting lineup. And my big question is, do I bring Teddy in this week? I'm a little bit different to Des in the fact that I think uh, this shapes up as a really good game for the Roosters to um, to put a few on the Bronx. Um, yeah, with the players that they've got out and, and that, they're looking really skinny. And, um, yeah, I, I expect Tedesco to, to go really big this round. Yep, and Jamil Hopawade is a guy who's caught my eye. Uh, now that Alex Glenn's gone, that just shores up his 80-minute role on the edge for the Broncos. He's cheap. Um, you can downgrade someone to make a fair bit of money on Hopper, so I'm eyeing him off this week a little bit there. 
Um, over at the Roosters, not a heap doing team-wise. Mitch Orbison and CO Siwa Takiaho could return after being included in the reserves. Uh, with Trent Robinson naming unchanged 17. This obviously have massive ramifications for Angus Crichton, uh, whether or not he starts or reverts to the, reverts to the bench, I'm not sure. Um, this information is coming from NRL.com on their team list as well, guys. Um, Des, Roosters, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, not too much interest other than Teddy. He's basically still the best fullback in Supercoach, and that's coming from a turbo on Poppy, I know, and myself. Um, other than that, I, no one really catches my interest other uh, roosters there's just too many cooks in the kitchen and teddy yeah. will get most of the points i'd say i think you're right and i'll get to one of the big questions right now why there's not heaps going on at the roosters because there's a lot of questions for it and there'll be plenty more i know you own tommy turbo already and he went massive for you on the weekend so it might have answered my question but let's say you don't own tommy turbo the roosters play the bulldogs next week we saw what tommy did to them the other night is Teddy or Turbo more of a priority right now? Uh, I'd, I'd be buying Teddy, personally. Um, yeah, I think he's just a bit more consistent. He's not going to pump out some of the 40s that Turbo can produce. He doesn't have the ceiling. He, doesn't, he can't score 180, I don't think. I think Teddy can go 150. We saw that a few times last year. But he'll, he'll consistently score about 90 to 110 when he's playing well. And if the Roosters go on a run, he'll just consistently pump out those scores more than Turbo will. Yeah. Walson, who have you got? Teddy or Turbo, mate? I've got neither, actually. Who would you go, sorry? I had a good round is I, I flipped and something that I never spoke about last week, I brought in Valentine Holmes and I captained him, which turned out to be a really good play but didn't look as good um, once uh, Turbo came out and exploded against the dogs. But still, I was pretty happy with it, with 102 um, but the predicament that I'm in this week is, you know, the same one that I was in last week is, you know, do I hang on to someone like Holmes and hope he goes big against the Sharks or bring in Tedesco? I'm leaning towards bringing in, in Tedesco just because watching him play without having him is really hard. Tommy Turbo is similar. Like, he's in scintillating form. And, and what was apparent to me is how much of the play revolved around him with Manly, so it's he's it's almost inevitable that he's going to get those touches. But um, yeah, for one reason or another, I, I like um, Teddy more. I, I think you know he's probably touch wood less injury prone than than Turbo. Although you know he's probably had his bad run with injuries, and you could see him playing out a season as well. So it's yeah, it's much of a muchness. But I lean towards um, Teddy with that one. Yeah, it's an extremely tough one, but. I'm just looking at it at that matchup with the doggies next week. You can just about lock in Teddy as a captain there. He could go enormous, but I mean the other the other issue is, I mean I've got Ponger and um, Pappenhausen as my fullbacks at the moment, who I'm happy with. I'm waiting for Pappenhausen to explode, who we'll get onto later. There's other areas of my team that I probably need to fix up with that money while having two good fullbacks, but I mean we saw what Tommy Turbo did a couple of days ago, so that's that's the massive risk there. Moving on to Penrith and the Warriors, Friday, 6 p.m. at Campbelltown Stadium at Penrith. Not a lot of difference there, but in one impact of Supercoach, Liam Martin does come onto the bench after being dropped before the game last week. Could have ramifications on Kikau, Capewell, Yo, Fisher-Harris, all these guys. And the other thing I will say there is James Tamu only played 32 minutes of a possible 90 last week which could impact, you know, especially Fisher-Harris, but potentially Isaiah Yo playing at lock. Um, whilst, what are your thoughts at Penrith? And, I mean, 
there's lots of questions about the minutes of the back row. Assuming James Tamo goes back to his regular 45 minutes, what do you see happening there and who are the priorities? Uh, the priority is keeping your best players on the field for as long as you can. Um, and I think, you know, Isaiah Yeo's in career best form. I think I've said it multiple times. I'll be trying to keep him on the field. Um, I think Capewell's a really good player. Kikau probably naturally could do with a break and come back on and, and, and be effective as well. But he's looking really dangerous as well. Um, so especially, I don't know if he'll be running at Nicarima, but whoever's running at Nicarima, <laughs> look out. Yeah, he, he's, he's not a really good defender either on the edge. And uh, the Dragons didn't expose him at all, really. Uh, but one of the factors you're going to have to take into account, what, what's the turnaround? It's, it's, it's a really short turnaround, isn't it? Five-day, five-day. Yeah, so five-day turnaround, the play, that was a gruelling match. Yeah. So players like Mansoor, you know, who was outstanding, um, Yo, um, even some of the, you know, Api Coruscant, I noticed that he did get a break. I thought that probably cost him the game in the end because they could have iced it if he was on. But, um, yeah, you have to wonder how they're going to be able to get their bodies right to go through that sort of punishment. And that, that's something you're going to have to consider all year is are players like McInnes going to be able to bang out 70 tackles, 65, 70 tackles a week without needing some sort of break? I mean, that's... Yeah, it's it's not something their bodies are used to, and um, yeah, it's it's something to keep in mind for sure. But um, Stephen Crichton was was impressive as well, so I'm interested to see um, what sort of role he plays. He looks to have um, usurped uh, Brent Naden, and I think he's a better player. But they just need to get him a little bit more clean ball. Yeah, there's so much going on at Penrith, and Crichton's a bit awkwardly priced at that 288k as far as Supercoach goes, but. As you said, he could be anything. He looks a serious talent there. Um, Mitch Kenny's been named on the bench again, which, you know, suggests Coruscant probably had a bit of a spell. So, so much going on. Des, what do you reckon, mate? Yeah, I thought, uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Walsh there. I think Yeo probably still gets 80 minutes, I'd say. I think Cleary would be crazy not to play him 80. I think Capewell could play maybe 60. I think his, he'll be the one whose minutes are cut. Um, Coruscant probably gets a spell as well but also yeah Luai as well I thought he was very disappointing um, this week for a lot of people who played him I think he could bounce back and produce a good score so I'll be playing him this week I sat him last week yep um, I'll throw a question at you I was going there was heaps of questions asking if they want they should be going Capewell at 400k or Yo at 500k Yo went up 100k this week um, if you owned neither, Des, who would you be going? I'd be going Yo because I just think he'll stay on 80 minutes. I'd, I'm not sure about Capewell. Walson? Yeah, I, I think you have to have Yo in your side. I don't think you can expect to to win Supercoach if you don't have Yo in your side. One thing, one point I'd make about those middle players is I still think it's possible for, like Appy, um, to play – you know, reduced minutes, like I think he went off for 10 or 15 minutes, um, and Yo to a certain degree, because of how centralised the attack has become, like there's a lot of play up the middle and there's extra ball in play. So players can still, you know, get the work rate in runs and and um, tackles, you know, even if they are playing 65, 60 to 65 minutes in the middle, like especially the nines and the 13s. So 
Um, and especially the way that the Warriors played against St. George, they played very centralised, very um, no-risk footy. And, you know, that that's why McInnes essentially made 70 tackles because they looked at him and they just basically kept running. So you can expect Appy Coruscant to get a lot of traffic at him this week. Yeah, you're spot on, mate. That's it. The, um, you know, at the end of the day, outside backs – you know, they're professional athletes. They get a fair bit of ball, but they can pick and choose when they want to come in and give themselves rest and work harder because they're fairly energised. So much of that attack is going straight through the middle of the ruck and you nailed it. That's why these guys, um, these forwards, having massive tackles, massive workloads. So something to keep an eye on there. But yeah, heaps going on at Penrith. But the consensus there is that Yo over Capel for anyone not sure of that. Uh, on to the Warriors. Walson, you must be absolutely stoked. They went 43 sets completions in a row on the weekend, finished up 45 and 47, which is just unheard of, um, particularly for the Warriors of all sides. Uh, Peter Hicker and Ignatius Parsi are out with Carl Lawton at centre. Very interesting because he's a hooker by my knowledge, um, is the major change there. Walsh, what are your thoughts on the Warriors? Can they sustain it or was it just a, a rubbish Dragons outfit that made them look good? Uh, I'm not sure because I always felt like from that game the team that won would get a bit of confidence and they have they have a soft enough draw to build on that confidence. Like I think Penrith, um, albeit they're a good side, they're beatable without Cleary. Um, they're beatable with Cleary, but I mean, like for a side like the Warriors, they're that they are beatable um, coming off the back of that confidence. I I think their game plan will evolve as the season goes on. I think Tavunga adds the second phase play and um, a little bit of movement around the ruck that they need. That that game, like I said, I think I said to you boys over the weekend, it reeked of um, two coaches who were worried about getting sacked. Like it looked like two sides that were like, you go out there, hold the ball as much as you can and, you know, kick to the corners. So I'm not getting carried away with the Warriors, but I thought it was gritty um, for what they did. I still think their issues are around green. He looks, he still looks a a yard slower than everyone else on on the field um, for me, without without sounding harsh. But I, I just think um, you know they'd be better off bringing in Chanel Harris to Vita and playing him with Nick Arima. Um, but in, from a super coach point of view, um, I think you've got to consider Katara as an automatic play on the bench um, while he while he gains some money. He's, he, he's um, He's going well. Um, Jermaine Tanoa Brown gets a fair bit of workload, so um, he's going to earn a fair bit of money for you. Um, I liked the way they played Tohu Harris at lock. I'm not sure if that's going to hold up too much. I wouldn't be getting carried away with that because you do have Tavanga coming back. And this week they've named Papali at lock, and I don't know whether they're just going to do a rotation. You know, one week Papali plays on the edge, and then maybe Tohu, Ar- Tohu Aris plays the next week on the edge. I'm not really sure what Kearney's going to do there. Um, Cody Nikarim is a super pod. If you're looking for someone, now he's got the goal kicking. Uh, I don't expect Carl Lawton to start at centre. I, I think they'll bring in um, who's in on that extended bench, like uh, Adam Pompey or yep. Ace Parham. So I'm not sure that'll hold up. Yeah, it'll have to be Pompey, you'd think, there. Um, Desi... I mean, obviously, yeah, the only two sort of real supercoach at the moment are Elias Katoa, who I'm with you, Olsen. If he's starting, he's got to be in your 17. He's going to bag a lot of tries this year. He's unbelievably in the kick-out mold. It's just this barnstorming back roller. Whenever he gets isolated one-on-one with his halfback, he's going to eat them alive and score tries. Um, anything to add at the Warriors, Des? Yeah, no, I think Walson's 
covered it pretty comprehensively. But yeah, Katoa, yeah, you're right. He's just a more robust version of Kiko, I think. I think he'll probably be less injury prone just the way he runs. Um, yeah. He's got a bit of that union style bringing it over. Um, but yeah, it's an Ord Brown as well. Um, I wouldn't be playing him, but I'd be holding him for those price rises. Yep. Uh, yeah, if he's in, if he's in the, if he's starting at the back row, his name, he's in my 17 at the moment. 7.55 Friday night, the Storm take on the Rabbitohs at Amy Park. At Melbourne, Big Nelson, Asafa Solomon is suspended with Christian Welch starting at prop and Riley Jackson. Interesting inclusion on the bench. A um, little bit happening at the Storm, nothing heaps. Um, Desi, what are your thoughts at Melbourne? Is Ryan Pappenhausen going to finally go big or are we just going to keep saying 50s? Yeah, I, I really uh, – this is my target game this week. I think the Storm will come out and punish um, the Rabbits here. I think Poppenhausen will go huge. I think he's due a ton. Um, that's what owners are expecting. Um, I think Munster will probably be there alongside him on a similar score. Um, I mean, he scored 90 points in a, in a team that scored six points without a try assist. So, Crazy. for me, that's like warning bells. It's a sign of a must-have. Um, I always had Munster as my top five eight. Um, I had him last year as well. Um, he's just he's just so well suited to this new style of game as well. Um, but yeah, I think Poppenhausen. I was going to vice captain him and captain Lolo, but I think I'm just going to play it safe and captain Haas. But he's certainly a vice captain option if you've got a safe captain in the later games. Yeah, I know Pappenhausen. The spy absolutely loves Pappenhausen. It's a disgusting man crush, but. He's looking at captaining Pappenhaus this week. I think he's been inspired by what you by what you two did last week with your fullbacks. Um, so it'll be interesting. Wilson, anything to add at Melbourne? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Pappenhausen is probably the big one. I have him. Um, I know there's. I'm. I'm sort of. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see Melbourne coming out and dominating South like Des does. I, th- I thought South were quite impressive for the players. Um, that they, they had out and um, for how good the Roosters are. Um, I think the Roosters are on a different level at the moment from the rest of the competition, in my view. Um, it sounds weird because I know they did lose the first two games, but they look really impressive against South. That was a high-quality game. But, yeah, Pappenhausen's a big one. Do I keep him or do I maybe keep Holmes and go Pappenhausen to Teddy? I think I'm leaning towards Holmes to Teddy, even though um, – Pappy has a bigger break even because I do think he looked good. And if he had scored that try, it would have been, you know, it would have been a fairly decent score and he's sort of been a bit luckless. I agree on Munster. Um, he'd be a really good trade-in. I think players like him who can take runs and break multiple tackles the way that he does and he's fairly unpredictable and he can drift across and that, um, the, he's going to make a lot of line breaks. He's going to make a lot of tackle breaks, but it's whether you can afford to get him in. I'm considering it at the moment, but I've got some issues in my 5'8 position. I'm, I'm stuck with Drinkwater at the moment, who I'm a little bit uneasy about playing as my starting 5'8, but I don't have many other options until he peaks, so that's a real tough one. But uh, in terms of that, I mean, I didn't really have a lot more for Melbourne. I I think, um, yeah, Bellamy will put a rocket up him, but I'm, I think South will be competitive. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a similar-ish sort of situation. Far worse though. I've got, I've got, um, 
Billy Walters as my reserve halfback and Jake Turpin as my starting halfback. Same issue I had last week with I had Cleary there who I had to trade out. So I'm going to have to probably move forward to trade. Billy Walters has got that real low break even, even if he's playing limited minutes. So I might be forced to try and get someone like Munster in this week, um, which will hurt if Turpin's not playing. At the Rabbitohs, Patrick Margot replaces Tom and Monet on the interchange. Um, fairly super coach relevant side. Des, what's your take on the Bunnies? Yeah, I, I agree with Walson. They did look good, but I think Murray and Cook just carried them. Like They were getting momentum at some stages, but they, they literally just couldn't beat the Roosters by themselves. Um, I still like the look of Jaden Sewer. I think he's a good pod, pod option. Um, I can see him go, going over for a couple of tries pretty soon, but probably not against Melbourne this week. But, yeah, I, I think Murray and Cook are probably the only two options you'd seriously consider. Yeah, the only thing with Sua, which I thought was interesting, he played maybe 58 minutes on the weekend. So he had been playing sort of 70 to 80, but he did regress uh, a fair bit on the weekend. So whether or not – I don't think that will keep up, but it may. There may have even been a HIA. I'm not sure. Liam Knight played something like 32 minutes. So if you've got him, get rid of him ASAP. Um, Cam Murray, he was on fire um, against a gun side in the Roosters. So I think if you're targeting Murray, he's got a break even of about 50 or 60. might even be a little bit more. So probably wait till after this week and then bring him in next week if you are interested. Um, whilst, what are your thoughts of the bunnies? Yeah, I had Murray, so regret regretted uh, trading him out, but I couldn't see him scoring anywhere near his break even, which was I think 110, um, and he pretty much matched it. So regretting that because Murray was a player I just didn't get right last year. So I'll start it off the same, but um, oh well, you can't take that back. I probably won't be getting him back in because I don't really have an avenue to. But he's fairly matchup proof, Murray. Um, yeah. I don't know um, why they're not moving him back to lock. Or I think he played elements of lock when Knight went off. Um, I've got Knight and I can't get rid of him quick enough, but the problem is I'm probably going to have to keep him because I have more pressing issues. So uh, Cook's interesting. I mean, a lot of people are saying, yeah, Cook's going to do this, Cook's going to do that. For me, he still doesn't get tackled enough. And you've got such good options that you've got at cheap prices like Appy, um, Harry Grant, you know, even McInnes I think is probably a better option than Cook at the moment, although, he's, yeah, he is fairly expensive and Isaac Luke was named on the bench. So, um, yeah, I, I would be steering clear of Cook for the meantime, like unless you've already got him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think it's clear that, his scoring is going to go up, and so is Cam Murray's. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we saw Murray move to lock for a little – I don't know if he moved to lock or if he was just playing central at the time, but he moved to the middle of the field and set up that try for uh, Tommy Burgess with a little tip on. He's just – no matter where he is, he's going to score well, and he's so good that he'll get attacking stats. Um, one guy to keep an eye on, um, and people will snuff at this because of his super coach form and probably NRL form, but Latrell Mitchell's going to bottom out in, in price in a couple of weeks. He could be uh, below sort of 500K or around about that mark. He's like the ultimate pod playing 80 minutes of fullback. He's easing into the role. We saw him set up a nice try for Cam Murray on the weekend, which is really good. Um, when he bottoms out, it'll coincide with a few easier matches for the Rabbitohs. So he's definitely a guy I'm eyeing off in two weeks if he shows a little bit more form, but we'll take yeah. it out then. I 100% agree with that. I mean, um, I saw someone on Twitter, I think, said, what do you think about Latrell bringing him in after the 
after this round because he plays Melbourne and then he plays the Titans and um, I think it's the Warriors. So yeah, not a bad draw coming up for uh, South Sydney. And I thought he showed signs that were pretty good. You know, I think he'll he, he's warming into the role. He's getting a little bit fitter. His touches weren't too bad. So yeah, you, you're definitely onto it there, Timmy. Yeah, fitness is the big thing for Latrell. We all know that. And not even fitness himself, but just, you know, moving from centre to fullback um, and building that, the new fitness in the new role. So keep an eye out for Luttrell. 5.30 Saturday, Eagles versus Eagles. This is going to be a corker of a game. At Parramatta, unchanged after the thumping of Brisbane last week. Fair bit going on at Parramatta. I'm going to start because Dylan Brown, a guy you wrapped all pre-season after the first couple of rounds, Walson, he was just exceptional. I didn't realize how fast he was either when he was chasing down Tony Staggs. Um, but Mitchell Moses went into the game with a little bit of a calf injury that we found out about afterwards. But the way Dylan Brown's playing, Mitchie Moses is going to lose a lot of ball comparatively to what he had last year. Um, Brown was almost the dominant playmaker in that game. So, you know, a bit of cause for concern for Mitch Moses' owners. Um, Desi, what are your thoughts at Paramount? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. I, I still think Moses is pretty solid. Brown was outstanding, obviously, but I, I, th- I still think Moses. You'd probably hold him because he's he's got Mato outside him, and Mato is just in spectacular form. Like, I'm considering almost trading Tumalolo to Mato this week, given that he's out. Because, yeah, I mean it's a big call, but it could be done. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'd be holding Moses. I still think he's got a bit more to give. But you could you could definitely bring in Brown. Yeah, I'd be more than happy uh, if I did own Moses. I, I wouldn't be looking to trade him out, but I wouldn't be looking to get him in at the moment, to be honest. Uh, Clint Guthrie's got about 124, which is massive for my Supercats draft side. Um, he's a massive trap. There are far better fullbacks available. Walson, Para. Yeah, Moses is interesting. I mean, there's not that many options at halfback. I think Dylan Brown's dual position. I think if the time to get him in was last week, so if you've got him in, congratulations. And I think he'll go okay. Um, he's got a lot of lot of potential to be better. Manly's not a great matchup of a game, so um, I'm not expecting huge things from Moses, but I'd take anything over 50. Um, he's in my team and I'm keeping him. If I had my pick of who I'd want to play at halfback this week, it'd be Luke Brooks because I think he'll tear tear apart the the Titans. Um, I don't think there's any way I can get him into my side because I have more pressing issues. But if anyone's got him, um, yeah, I think I think he'll go really well this week. Or if you've got a situation where you need to bring in the halfback, I'd be looking to bring in Brooks. Um, yeah, I think Desi covered it with Matto. Outstanding. I thought Junior Paulo was really good. But you really got to look for those players that are either going to consistently put on these 80-plus scores, which I think for Matto, he's going to have a really high average because he's going to play 80 minutes every every week and he's just such a solid player and he's got an offload and a bit of footy in him as well. Um, and I'm not sure what Paulo's price is, but you can probably find, you know, I think most people have gone with Haas, and Clamour or Haas and uh, Twal. So you can probably, you know, and then they've got the cheapies that build it up. So, yeah, there's, there's some really good players in, in Parramatta, but um, uh, I think it's really around Dylan Brown, Moses and Matto at the moment. Yeah. Over at Manly, 
Uh, no changes to their side from the demolition of the doggies. We all saw what Tommy Chaboyevich did. Um, look, straight up, he's a, a must-have in your team. Sort plans out to get him in as quick as possible, um, but there are a few little issues around that with other people in the position. Adam Fanua Blake and Marty Tapao both safe as houses options. But I want to get to have a look at them another couple of weeks and see how they handle the new, uh, the speed of the ruck and the speed of the game. Um, whilst anything at Manly? No, I think um, Turbo might have, might have that effect of which usually happens in Supercoach. Like um, a load of people will get him in this week, um, and I think it's sort of an antipod move to not get him in. Um, if you're looking at a fullback, I think you know I'd be looking at. Tedesco, if you don't have him already, if you're someone like um, Bear, uh, the lad who won a couple of years ago, he he just he called it, and I think he'd be pretty happy with himself. He he just moved heaven and earth in the five trade round and, and got in Turbo and Teddy. Um, so those people that have got both of them would probably feel happy. Um, but yeah, I think it's really with Manly, it's really Teddy. Um, I think Jake. Uh, Jake Trebojevic becomes a little bit more relevant because of that inside ball, but um, he's he's still probably not going to get the attacking stats apart from you know line break and try assists. And yeah, like you said, the, the bigger fellas um, might take a bit of a hit. Let's say AFB and and, and to power. Yeah, Jake Trebojevic got an early shower on the weekends. They're up by so far. Played sixty five minutes. He scored. I think it was fifty four points with a try assist and line break assist for Tommy Turbo. So, you know, I mean, you called it early in the season, um, whilst the, the Turbo, you know, may be finished as a super coach gun in the second row. At the moment, it is looking that way. Um, Desi, you're a manly boy. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'd have to agree on Jake. It's just not good enough, like 34 in base. You want him to be getting like 60 in base, like the, the good old days. Um, I, I think to power is still an option, um, given the – the new rules, I think he might get some quick play the balls and burst through. He's got the potential to put some full work on, some offloads, um, some tackle bus. He might go for a couple more tries this season, I think. Yep. Moses Sully's a guy I've been spruiking for a couple of weeks, just as a guy to keep an eye on. Um, scored pretty well on the weekend, although, again, it's it probably inflated a little bit against that doggy's outfit, but he just continues to produce really good base stats, which is something Sully's never done. Um, Manly are looking good. They're going to score a lot of points this year. Um, Sully's a massive watch and a really good one for Supercoach draft players. I picked him up off the wires a couple of weeks ago and, and I'm pretty happy about it. Saturday, 7.35 in Townsville, Cowboys versus Sharks. Uh, interesting game here. The Cowboys have so much going on Supercoach-wise. More than anything, Jason Townwell out with bone bruising on the knee. Josh McGuire shifts to lock with Francis Molo at prop. Tom Gilbert and Gavin Cooper join the bench. Um, I'll start with you, Des. What's going on at the Cowboys for you? Yeah, I thought Holmes and Drinkwater both looked pretty good. Um, but it was pretty much what you'd expect against the Titans. It's still too early for me to sort of decide whether they're viable long-term options. I think Walsh would probably um, agree with me there. Um Lolo as well, he was only on 21 points, I think it was, in in the first half, which was extremely concerning. But, yeah, he obviously finished strong. Um, Cohen Hess, another one, he was going to score really well, if not for that late sin bin. Um, so props to the people who brought him in as a pod. He did real well, much better than I expected. Um, Isan Masters, pretty disappointing, really, for owners. 
But I, I think it was just an off game. I expect him to sort of bounce back this week. Yeah, that's it. There was because of the scoreline and what it was in that matchup with the Titans. There, there were a few flops in Masters. In I mean, Drinkwater got about fifty-five, but I mean, you were hoping for more. You'll take it, but you're hoping for more if you did jump on there. Um, as you said, I think scores from that game with Val Holmes and a couple of others were definitely inflated because of what they were up against. Um, ben Hampton, for anyone that jumped on him, who's been super coach trash over the last few years, he's going nuts. Going to earn a lot of money for anyone who, who anyone who bought him. Um, whilst what's happening at the cows? Yeah, there's a bit happening there. I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's hard to get a gauge when they play the Titans, but they, they look so good with that movement out the back and Val Holmes is, um, you know, Drinkwater's really good at creating that two-on-one um, for Val Holmes and he's, he might be the best in the competition at executing that or, may, or possibly is a little bit flattered by the Titans, but... If you had a start of the year with Val Holmes, you can't really be disappointed because he's got two sixty odds and and then he banged out a hundred. So yeah, I'm a bit conflicted. Maybe maybe I should stick with him for another round and roll the dice, but it's going to be hard watching Teddy and Turbo play. I'll, I'll have to ponder over that one and make a late decision. I think, but um, I, I think um. Yeah, I think he's 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 going to be an interesting player to watch for sure, Val Holmes, and the the goal kicking sort of adds to it as well. It just helps him get his base up. Isam Masters is sort of a type of player that probably goes better in tougher games, if that makes sense. Yeah, he didn't see a lot of ball. He's he does a lot of dummy half running, but two weeks ago or before the before the season restarted, I would have said Isam Masters lock him in. For the season now that all these blokes are coming out of the woodworks, like, you know, a man saw, I think, has cemented himself as a real, you know, mainstay. You know, he hasn't scored any tries, but he's just banging out 70s, 80s plus. plus. I don't know what he got on the weekend, probably upgraded to over 100 or something, but he was right up there. And then you've got Bradman Best that's coming, coming through that could possibly make a lot of money. So... I think you're going to probably have to get a bit creative with your centre wings, and Isam Masters might be the bloke that goes if he doesn't pull it off. I don't want any. I don't really want any part of Hampton, but that's where they are lethal on that left hand side, and he's just basically catching the ball and falling over the line. Um, drink water just makes me nervous. Hey, eh? I, I really don't know how I feel about holding him in my side because I can see him putting out a, a, a single digit um, game. At any time, he reminds me so much of Moylan. It's not funny, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but at the moment, I mean, he's putting up the scores, so you got to keep him for the price rises. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually, I, I'm interested to see Jake Gramble was named at number nine again because Reese Robson is probably a hooker in waiting, but it may not come to fruition. Yeah, they love Jakey Granville up there. But Rob, same thing. Robson, we know how good he is. He, you know, he's probably the best hooker at the club, but um, just hard to get a gauge with that Titans game. Val Holmes, I touched on it last week, but back at the Sharks in 2018, he was trying to move to fullback to get fullback's money at the start of the year, and he feared him could not pass a ball. Mm. Um, they, they dropped him back to the wing. Then they brought him back to fullback for the back half of the year and came good, improved his ball playing a bit, but not a heap. He's just come back. He's got some of the best hands in the comp after the first three rounds, and it's kudos to him because that doesn't just happen. He's obviously been training very hard and and worked on that a lot. And, I mean, Ben Hampton's a big winner out of it, but 
I will say that, you know, Tommy Turbo and Teddy are the two best fullbacks in the comp by a mile in Supercoach. So it's – Vale Holmes is now at 600K. If you're tossing up between getting him this week, spend the extra 120K and get Tommy Turbo or Teddy because it's just – I think you're saving a trade there and there's bigger output coming from, from them too. At the Sharks – uh, a little bit going on there. Maddie Moylan replaces Chad Townsend in the halves. Connor Tracy and CSC for Talakai are named on the bench. Billy Magulius is 18th man. A uh, little bit going on here. No Andrew for feeder again, which is good news for Toby Rudolph owners. He'll get decent minutes again and see some good price rises. Uh, I'm a Sean Johnson owner who has struggled the last two weeks. I thought last week against the Tigers, they sent all their attack down that left edge of Townsend and Wade Graham, and they just peppered BJ Leilua. Scored a lot of points there, and I think that hurt SJ a lot. But the Sharks do have some really easy matchups coming in in the next three weeks. Um, there's a Dragons in there, maybe a Bulldogs or something, or a Warriors. So I'm persisting. Um, Des, what's your take on the Sharks? Yeah, I think SJ's the one um, that you look up. He's, it was, yeah, you're right. He was disappointing. I actually thought he'd produce a, a fair bit more base starts, but 20 or 4, whatever he got, that was. Pretty much nothing there. There was no substance to him. But I think the Sharks are a momentum team and they'll they'll hit their straps eventually. And that's when you gotta get on SJ. Yep. Walson? Yeah, that's a big question. Will they hit their straps? I mean, there's a lot of controversy around them and Sharks were a side I was all over last year, as Desi would know, but I don't know, there's just a bit of a you know, uh, stench around the club, I think, you know, and they're, and, they're, and they're all down. And when you see Morris at the press conference, he's like, oh, you know, he's down about, obviously, Bronson Zeri was a big hit for him, but uh, I think he, he looks a bit defeated to me, like, the way he is. I, I, I just I just can't trust the Sharks. You know, Moylan's injury prone. Johnson usually gets injured for four or five weeks mm-hmm. every season. Um, Fafida's busted and, you know, probably should be retired. Um, Wade Graham, I mean, every you couldn't possibly put him out there with worrying about him getting injured. He's proppy every game. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm off the Sharks a little bit. I, I thought Moylan looked pretty good when he came on. I think Moylan actually sparked them a little bit. And the fact that he ran was something that I was excited about because he's one of those players that when he's not confident, he won't run and get tackled, and I've felt like the last two weeks, Sean Johnson's been like that. I thought I rode off week two because it was against the Storm, and, you know, sometimes he's a little bit in that touch footy comes back and you think, oh, he doesn't like running against physical teams, but against the Tigers, he had no excuse not to run, and I, didn't, I don't remember him taking a lot of runs. So SJ's always been a player that I've, I've depended on, but I'm, I'm getting going off him a bit, to be honest. Yeah, I, it might just be because I own him and I'm I'm trying to look at the positives in it, but I, I really do think they just it was just Wade Graham going to BJ Leilua and just tearing him to pieces, and I reckon SJ got a lot less ball, but you are right. He's going through one of the SJ phases where he just decides not to run it and just ball play and dance around a little bit, so hopefully we'll see him start running in coming weeks. Uh, Raiders versus... Oh, Timmy, sorry, I've just got to say, um, I was just thinking of it. He does come up against Drinkwater this weekend. Oh, beautiful. So you can see him skipping, and Drinkwater gets in his seat, bite, yeah. bite in, and you can see Nakora just bang outside Drinkwater. You know? So that's probably something to consider, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Raiders Knights, 4.05 Sunday afternoon at Campbelltown Stadium. 
Bailey Simons returns on the wing for Jordan Rapana, who moves back to the, the bench. Mike Lovefield drops out. Simonson was injured last week. That's why Rapper came back on and played. Um, fellas, George Williams, fair dinkum. Um, that was one of the, you know, there was this big question mark on Pommy outside backs coming to the NRL and struggling and not being able to put it together or halves outside backs, whatever. Um, there was question marks on Georgie Williams. He tore Melbourne apart. Um he looks like a really good super coach prospect now, and there's a few others in that Raiders side. Um, Des, what's your take on the Raiders? Yeah, I thought they were good. Uh, how many points did George Williams score in the end? Not was he it was only mid mid sixties, um, despite his dominance. Yeah. yeah. See, he played really well, but like I, I just don't see him scoring super high, even when he does play well. He doesn't seem to have the ceiling that some of the other players like Munster would have. If that makes sense, yeah, like yeah. he's obviously good for his price, but I, I just don't see his ceiling being over like seventy five, eighty, even when he's playing well. That's that's the main issue I have with George Williams. Yeah, and I mean the um, the other thing is, while he was still gaining his feet in the NRL early days, he did come up against the Titans and Warriors in the first two weeks and didn't put too many on. But um, boy, he stepped up on the weekend. Uh, and the Raiders look to be one of the big beneficiaries of this of this new look side. Oh, sorry, new look side. The new rules in the NRL. Um, they were just dominant in the middle of the field. They had quick play the balls. They look rock hard fit. Um, so they're they're a bit of a team to target for mine. Nick Kotrick has had twenty nine tackle busts in three weeks or something. Um, absolutely nuts. If you own Tappany and Corey Horsburgh like I do, good news for them with no John Bateman still in the team, so they'll continue to play good minutes. Uh, Walson Raiders. Yeah, they'll punch out some good scores. There's no doubt about that. But just by nature of the way that they play, I'm not sure which players will consistently get the big scores, if that makes sense. So uh, I think, you know, each week it could be someone different. Uh, the player that piqued my interest was Kotrick. But when you look at his um, price and the other players that are going around, like, a player like Capewell probably appeals to me more. He's, he is only 406000 But if you had Kotrick, good get, because um, he's going to give you plenty of um, tackle busts, that's for sure. Um, he, he's getting in there and breaking tackles left, right and centre. I, I agree with George Williams. And I thought Whiten looked really good as well. But when you look at their super coach scores, um, yeah, you know, maybe every four or five weeks they might, you know, throw in an 80, 90 or 100 or something like that, but they're just as capable of going 30s. Um, and that's because if people are wondering why that is, it's because the whole the whole play of the Raiders revolves around Hodgson. So I think it's really difficult for either half to really stamp their authority. And, um, they, they, like, they play a really strong role in the team NRL-wise, but super coach wise it's, it's hard to rely on them. Yeah, I sound like a broken record with Jackie White and absolutely love the bloke as, a, as an NRL player, but people always fall into the trap of him after he puts a couple of good scores together. He's not super coach relevant and he has 10 to 20 point scores in him frequently enough. So just don't consider him. There's better five eights in the game. Um, so I, I think there are better options there. At the night, Caelan Ponga returns from suspension at fullback, bumping Tex Hoy to the bench. Andrew McCulloch starts in the Knights' colours for the first time at hooker in place of Connor Watson, who hurt his ankle. Uh, Herman SASA starts at lock. Tim Glasby on the interchange and Chris Randall drops to the reserves. Um, fellas, I'm a Caelan Ponger owner and after seeing Tommy Turbo go nuts last week and now seeing the Knights play the Raiders this week and then the Storm next week, 
I'm questioning why I didn't move Ponga on to Teddy or Turbo last week, but hindsight's a great thing. Um, what do you got there, Des? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Ponga might go all right, especially with Bradman Best there, the man of the hour. I mean, it'd be crazy enough to trade him in after what we saw. I think Ponga can definitely feed him some crossfield bullets and put him over for a couple of tries. I think that'll be a nice combination to see. Um, the man I was, I was uh, interested to watch was Clemmer, and he, he got 80 points in base stats, basically. Um, exceptional game from him. He should be pretty much in everyone's final 17 come end of the year, I'd say, David Clemmer. Yeah, his, his minutes have dropped this year quite significantly, oh, significantly, probably about 10 minutes per game. Um, obviously, the weekend against Penrith with the 90-minute the game inflated them, but his points per minute have just gone through the roof, so it hasn't affected him too much. Um, my whole backline bench are Knights players. I have Anari Chuala, Kurt Mann, and I started with Bradman Best, so that's worked out well after turning up on the weekend. Um, them guys are looking like making a heap of money, so happy days for people that jumped on any of them three. Um, Walsh, Newcastle? Yeah, I think you need to... You keep, you need to keep in mind that the, that that was a really tough game for them, and how do they back up? I mean, how, like it's clear that Adam O'Brien has instilled some grit into that team, but then they've got to play Canberra after basically playing the majority of the game with you know fifteen players, and some of those forwards did played minutes that they've never like well rarely ever played, like like the Safidi brothers and. Um, young Brody Jones, the, the debutant, I think he was, and then you also had Glasby, who, you know, his game super coach wise was stunning. I think he got 130. Um, so the the player that interested me, I think Claymore is is a player of interest. I don't think he's ever going to ton up, but he's got a really, you know, now that he's putting the offload into his game, he's very interesting. But I, I, if you have a look at the stats of the Saifidi brothers. And the way that Adam O'Brien's got them going in the first couple of weeks, um, Daniel Saifidi scored 77, 46, and 84. Like, you know, you, you don't really think of him as a super coach relevant player, but that's pretty unbelievable stats for a player that before this week was mm, 380,000. So. Yeah. But was I think, that without any attacking stats? Did he? Uh, he scored a try against the Warriors um, in uh, round one, and his his tackle counts yeah pretty low. But I, I just thought like the eyeball test. Um, geez, Daniel, like uh, he's he's the the one who played uh, Origin. Um, he's playing out of his skin, and he looks like he finds his front. You know, he's fast becoming one of the best five front rowers like quietly he's unassuming in the way he does it but um mate he's dominating games the way he's playing so i think he's a chance anytime they get near the line if they get a uh they probably don't really have a hooker braley was his best chance of sort of getting try assist close to the line uh, mcculloch's always been a little bit selfish there so that probably doesn't help him but uh he he's been threatening i'll keep an eye on him for sure yeah yeah the side he's have flown under the radar um Daniel went up 62K this week. Jacob Saifid, who started at 210K, went up 72K this week. Um, so some serious numbers there. Um, what was I going to say about the, the Knights? Probably nothing interesting. There's a fair chance. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, the one thing with the with them backing up, they do have a seven day turnaround, which is pretty bene- very beneficial for them after the gut bust against Penrith. Kalen Pong didn't play last week. Mitch Pearce, if he does play, which would seem against the odds based on how cuckoo he was last week after that knock. Um, he only played five minutes. Andrew McCulloch didn't play last week, so he'll get through a big load in the middle. Um, does that help them? Hopefully, but as you said, the matchup against Canberra with the form they're in, uh, it could be a little bit nasty despite being a bit more resilient this year. Titans and Cowboys, Sunday, 6.30pm at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, boy, you'd love to own Tigers players for this one, namely David Nofaluma. Um, at the Titans, Tyrone Roberts returns at fullback. Aaron Clark starts at hooker, really cheap. Um, so one to look at going forward. Really odd bench. They've got Tana Boyd, Jermaine Jolliffe, Bryce Cartwright, and young young Tonema Pia there. Um, you know they've got a back rower, a middle forward, a rookie halfback, and a centre. So, I mean, whether or not they stick with that, I'd be very surprised. But the big winner out of all this is their only Supercoach relevant player, Jai Arrow. Um, Des, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, if if Arrow gets eighty minutes, you'd expect him to be getting easy 80 points. I mean, last week he got 82 and it seemed with ease that he got that. So as well. I've, I've always had Arrow as my must-have um, in the second row. I, I was considering him actually trading him out um, to McInnes, but after this week I'm definitely not going to do it, especially with the look of that bench. If that bench stays the same, I can't see how Joy Arrow doesn't play 80 minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Surely um, they don't stick with it, Walson. Yeah, that's a staggering bench, really. Unless Aaron, I, I, I'm not really familiar with Aaron Clark because I missed um, a fair bit of that Cowboys uh, Titans game. But is he robust enough to play? Like, like I don't believe so. I, I didn't yeah. see a lot of him either on the weekend in limited minutes. But he was at the Warriors. He's then at the Raiders as like a full string halfback, not even a hooker as a halfback. Um, he's found his way into the Titans. Um, size wise, I don't think he, he'll, he'll go back and play in the middle. Yeah, well, I'd say, you know, like I've said to you boys is um, I'll say a couple of things on the Titans. One is uh, I'm not sure. I think he signed a three-year contract to coach, and it's a bit like uh, when some of those NBA and NFL coaches get in and like it's almost like he's tanking, but he's definitely gone. I'm moving the roster around to see exactly what I've got here. He's doing some sort of summary of what he's got, and then he's just going to clean out the roster by the looks of it because he's pretty much just been moving people around and giving everyone a chance. You know, the young half, halfback came in last week, Jamal Fogarty, and now he's bringing in a new uh, a new dummy half, even though he's got two experienced NRL halves, uh, dummy halves in Mitch Rain and Nathan Pete. So both of them are out of the squad on, on form. So he's really shaking the place up. He, you know, Jared Wallace is out of the squad. Shannon Boyd's out of the squad. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one there, but I, I can tell you what it showed me in the first, uh, in the, in that first round back is sides with poor rosters like the Titans and they clearly have the weakest roster are really, are really going to be stacked up against it because I don't think you can, Unless a team really just doesn't turn up, I don't think you can win games on effort or by spoiling tactics because the spoiling tactics being taken out of it, which is so good for the competition and so good for the league. But I think you can expect that teams will rack up some serious scores against the Titans. And 
as long as Wests are on, and I think they will be with Maguire, I think they'll be a big score this week. Mate, you're spot on. We talk about momentum in rugby league all the time and what that means. And because you can't stop the ruck and give away these penalties, we spoke about how many less penalties there were this round to the previous two rounds. When when these bigger, better sides get roll-ons against the weaker sides like the Dogs, like the Titans, there's nothing they can do about it. They're just going to roll upfield, roll upfield, roll upfield. It's going to end up in a try. Teams are going to be absolutely gassed. Um, and there's going to be some massive blowouts, which is from a Supercoach perspective, if you've got a gun attacking player in a side playing the Titans or probably to a slightly less degree the Dogs, You've nearly got to throw the captain on them, being Tommy Turbo or Teddy or whoever. Um, I mean, even this week, guys like Luke Brooks, um, David Nofaluma, Luciano Lua, Alex Twole, they could score massive. Harry Grant, um, lads, Harry Grant, a lot of questions. Should people go early on Harry Grant um, and Blake Braley? Walson, you're a big fan of Grant. Would you be doing it? Uh, it's one of my trades at the moment, so I'll probably reverse them a few times before uh, Thursday. But, yeah, I've gone Braley to Grant just purely for the fact that I think you can lock him in. I know he scored a try and people say, well, 17 points for the try, 10 for the line break, so that's 27. So he really only scored uh, 53, but he only played 54 minutes. So that's almost one PPM. Um, and then the other argument would be, oh, but Billy Walters is on the bench. I would not be surprised in the slightest. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I would not be surprised if Harry Grant plays close to 80 minutes this week because what better game are you going to get to test out whether it's up to the 80 minutes than a game versus the Titans? Like if you're if you're Maguire and you're up by a score, are you going to pull – um, Harry Grant, who's effectively, you know, your dummy half that you're looking to make into an 80-minute play, are you going to pull him off the field or are you going to pull off a 35-year-old uh, Benji Marshall? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good shout. Um, and Desi, Alex Tuol, I'm, I'm finding it hard to get a read on him. I backflipped and didn't go with him at the last minute and end up going Ryan Madison. Twelve played 80 minutes, which is phenomenal. Nobody saw that coming, I don't think. Um, I don't believe there were any injuries in the Tigers' packs. So I don't think they would have been inflated for any reason, but only busted out about 60 points, which is certainly respectable. And if he plays 80 minutes going forward, he'll be a must-have. What's your take on the Tigers and Alex Twelve? Yeah, I mean, the 80 minutes was obviously pleasing to see, uh, even though his points per minute was down. Um if yeah, if he does continue on it, I, I expect his PBM to probably be a bit higher than it was in that game. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd I'd say he's a must-have, honestly. Uh, at his price, if he keeps getting 80 minutes, he'll be up in that sort of clemmer range of points um, each game. He should average around 70, I'd say. Yeah, I can't see him not. I mean, it's <laughs> will he get 80 minutes this week? I don't know. It's the Titans. Do you play him 80 minutes? Oh, who, who knows what's going to happen there. Mate, a lot of questions also about David Nofaluma. People understandably wanting to bring him in for the clash with the Titans. Mate, I, I can't bring myself to spend 650k on an outside back. I've said this three weeks in a row, waiting for Nofa to go low, and he keeps pumping out 80s and 90s. So, I mean, it's proving me wrong, and it will probably prove me wrong again this week because it's the Titans. But that's money that could be gone to Tedesco or Turbo or Madison or someone like that. Des, would you stomach the 650k for Nofa? 
No, I wouldn't, but he, he is without a doubt the best center wing option in Supercoach this year. I'll put it that way. But 650K, it's still just too much. The only center wing you'd ever think of paying that much for would be like Luttrell playing at the Roosters yeah. with the goal kicking, you know? Like, it's just too much, even though he's just – he's incredible. He's been busting every tackle and props to Wilson for starting with him. Yeah. I didn't really see him going this well, but he's been outstanding. That was a clutch play from Walsh. Um, Monday, boys, we've got what Thursday, Friday, Saturday, something. We've got five days in a row of footy this week. Footy on Thursday and then footy on Monday. Um, even if it is the Bulldogs and Dragons on on Monday at Bankwest Stadium, four o'clock. Um, lads, I'm going to skip past the Bulldogs because there's absolutely nothing of Supercoach interest happening there. Dean Britt played 73 minutes on the weekend in the back row. Uh, got about 35 points, so I think they're pretty well irrelevant. Um, at the Dragons, uh, not much going on there outside of Cam McGuinness either, but a few changes. Um, Paul McGregor hitting panic mode for the 10th time in the last three years. Corey Norman shifts to fullback in place of Matt Dufty to allow Adam Clune to start at halfback. Josh Kerr is promoted to the starting pack for Corbin Sims. Trent Merrin and Isaac Luke join the interchange with Tyrell Fuimaono dropping out. Uh, a blow for owners of Fuimaono because he did have a nice price rise left in him. He still has a very low break even. Um, Adam Clune's one to watch for us all because he's a very cheap halfback option. Uh, Walson, what's going on at the Dragons for you, mate? Cam McInnes, is he he's the only real option there, I believe? Yeah, I think so. And um, I think it was one – like I had three super pods last week on – um, one was her, uh, one was Brooks, one was Catewell, and one was Cam McInnes, and they all scored pretty well. So I think they scored over seventy. So if anyone all had one percent the- ownership, hey, hey, all one percent ownership. Yeah, all under, they were all under one percent ownerships, but I didn't have the guts to bring them in. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, I can't really talk it up. But if anyone was out there and they they did you fit them into their five trades, well done to you. So. But because um, I think they're all good buys, Cam McInnes. The worry is um, he has a. I think he has another. This is his second game before a price rise, so you can you can have another look at him. But the only reason you would is because Isaac Luke's on the bench. But with that bench, I would imagine that he plays some time at lock, which sort of excites me a bit because he's a fairly good running player in the middle um, of the ruck, and I think you know he'd, he'd probably go pretty well. Uh, running off Isaac Luke, jumping out. But, um, yeah, it's just that question mark of whether they actually take Cam McInnes off the field. I don't think he would because he's clearly their best player. Well, you know, he's playing like their best player at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're in all. Like, I mean, he's clutching at straws of Paul McGregor. They're, they're in all sorts the way they're playing. And I fully expect the, the dogs to get up for this and win this game as long as Foran can stay on the field for 80 minutes. Like, Foran is a class player. When I look at that game, I go, Kieran Foran makes all the difference for me. Yeah, especially with these, the new ruck rules and, you know, more of that attack through the middle. It'll suit Kieran Foran's direct running game perfectly if his pack can do a bit of a job up front. Um, yeah, I think Matt McGuinness plays 80 minutes based on how good he is. We saw last year when they moved Ben Hunt to hooker, McGuinness played a bit of lock, so I expect the same thing to happen with Isaac Luke coming on. Um, Desi, anything at the Dragons? I know you're impressed with Zach Lomax's base stats uh, moving to centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 47 in base, that's pretty damn high. And if the Dragons do get their act together, which they probably don't, but if they do score some tries, he'll, he should score pretty pretty bloody well. Like I expect him to score fifty to sixty 
each week going off that. And also Frizzell, people are sleeping on Frizzell. He's, I had him as a good mid-range pod and he, he just keeps producing 60, 70 scores, which is well above his price right now. So if you're looking for a second-row pod, Frizzell's there. There you go. Frizzell was your man. You've heard it first from the reigning champ. Uh, lads, let's have a look at their trades we're eyeing off this week. Obviously, with uh, Tao Malolo being injured and not playing this week and a few other little things going on, uh, it's hard to settle on them. But, Des, what are you thinking this week as far as trades go? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm just going to do the Braley to ground trade um, alongside Walsh. It's the Titans. I mean, he, he might not get 80 minutes. He probably doesn't. But, like... Braley, he's probably only got a few price rises left. Probably only makes another 50, 60, 70, 80K. Whereas Grant could just go, he could carve up the Titans. So I'm happy to sort of forego the money for the points at this point. Yeah. Um, and then the second trade, I'm looking at just getting Bradman best for Callum Watkins, who's obviously not playing anymore. I think that just makes the most sense for my team in its current state, getting best early and potentially play him. Yeah, and will it be the straight C on Payne Hass? Yeah, I think I think yeah. With the news that Lolo's out, I, I was gonna plan. I was planning on doing the vice captain on Pappenhausen because I thought he'd tear up uh, South. But yeah, I think C on Haas and Ho for 90, 90 and base. Yeah, I have the exact same captain option there. I was going to VC Pap and go Tamalolo, but I think I'm probably going Haas as well. Um, Walson trades and captains. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, I've narrowed it down to about eight players, but uh, my initial two are um, Braley out for Grant and Holmes out for Tedesco, um, but it's not sitting great with me at the moment, particularly with uh, Tamalolo out. So I'm looking at Munster. I'm looking at uh, Capewell. This is probably over the next two weeks. I'm looking at these eight players, Munster, Teddy, Capewell, Harry Grant, Mansour, Maddo, Murray, and Luke Brooks. So out of those players, I'd say I'll be getting um, four of those players in over the next two weeks. I might even be foregoing uh, Cleary for a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, my halves are in a little bit of damage mode with provided Turpin doesn't play this week, I'm going to have him and Walters who's going to play about 20 minutes at best. Um, so I'm looking like I might have to cut ties with Joe Tapney earlier than I want to because he's got a bit more money to make and he's playing 80 minutes. Uh, Jamil Hopawati looks pretty enticing at about 220K and locked into that 80 minutes on the edge. Um, and then I'll be looking to upgrade a half or a 5.8 or switch Luai up to half. But really, um, who bloody knows at this stage? <coughs> uh, for, for anyone interested in daily fantasy sports, um, the Supercoach Spy has been putting out some draft stars previews um, across the weekend, previewing each game of the weekend. Um, what it is, it's basically betting on NRL Supercoach. They do use a different point system and they do use a unique one. So if you are going to have a crack at it, check out the point system before you pick your team. But it is a little bit of fun. The Spy, I think, in the first round, won over $1,000 from $2 entries in, in his competition. So keep an eye out for those previews at the end of the week. Uh, and if you're interested, jump on and have a look at that. Guys, that's it to jump into a little bit of a few questions to finish things off. Um uh, first question up from Leroy. Des, I'll start with you. Is Turbo a must-have, even if it ruins your other plans? 
Um, yes, I, I think he is. That's just me personally. I think his ceiling's high enough um, to make him a must-have. But, yeah, pretty much only turbo because, like, yeah, it's, you don't want to pull your team apart just for one player. But if that player has a ceiling of 180 and can stop you winning Stubicoach, you have to have them. But you don't want to pull pull apart the structure of your team just for one player normally. All right, I'll add another element to that because it's um, relevant to so many of us right now. If you're going Pappenhausen to Turbo, it's going to cost you, what, about 230K. Is that worth doing? Uh, no, I think Pappenhausen's good enough that you can keep him. I yep. seriously see him going on the run pretty soon that'll match Teddy and Turbo. Nice. Walson, what do you reckon? Uh, this is like <laughs> – these are this is sort of impossible because you can't knock anyone getting Turbo in. I think someone asked me a question, should I get SJ or Turbo before last weekend? And I said, oh, I prefer SJ. And he put in SJ and then, yeah, we all saw what happened. But – um, I, but I did say I did qualify it by saying like I prefer SJ, but you can never go wrong with Turbo, and I I feel like that you know like really when has he let you down apart from when he's got injured? So that's the biggest question mark with him. My preference is Teddy, always has been. So, but yeah, I mean, I think you just got to go with your gut and see how your team makeup is. Like I've got neither Teddy and Turbo, so. Um, yeah, I mean, but I think the time is right to have at least one of them in there, and if you if you fit in two, well, you know, good on you, mate. We never declared that we give correct answers on this podcast. We just said we just give as many answers as we can and hope they pay off. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, plenty of wrong ones going forward. Um, a really good question from Connor Fordry on Instagram. With many coaches, including myself, going for the fairly inevitable letdown of stags. Is it too short-sighted to trade him off for the likes of Yo or Mansour? I'll start with you, Des. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think it's too short-sighted to trade him out. You, you've traded him in. You, you're expecting big things from him. He's, I, I predicted that he wouldn't do too well the other week, but I think he still does have like a high enough ceiling that you probably wouldn't trade him out. I, I still think he can score big. It's just you're going to get those bad scores in there with them. I mean, Yeo and Mansour are probably way more consistent, but I still think Stags will average fairly similar to them over the course of the season. Yep. Walson? I think, yeah, Stags, I didn't get him in for the reason that I was behind a fair bit, probably, you know, similar to Desi. We weren't sort of uh, right up there, and it was it was sort of like the antipod play to do, and, and it paid off, but... But in saying that, like, I think he was about 34 after about 20 minutes. So he started off really well and then he ended up on 32. So he had a bit of a shocker. But in general, I, I think if you've you've traded him in, you've probably got to stick with him all the way through to round 10 because if you have a look at his draw, it's actually a godsend that he actually got suspended. People are thinking, oh, you know, I don't get the price rise and all that. But you do get it. You've just got to wait for it. Like him playing against Josh, Josh Morris, who's one of the best defensive centers in the game, I don't think he would have scored that well against the Roosters this week. Then he gets Manly, which is a pretty tough game. Then he gets Newcastle, which I think is another pretty tough game because their defense is much improved. But then if you look at 
round seven, eight, nine, ten, he gets Gold Coast, Warriors, Bulldogs, West Tigers. And that's where you're going to get your pay dirt with uh, Katoni Stags. So if you, yeah, I mean, if, if you've got issues and you want to bring someone else in and you've given up on him, then, you know, take the money and run. But uh, if, if you believe in him as a player, then you've got to see it through to at least round ten. Yeah, good answer, mate. And I'm with you. It's look, you've, it's only one week, one ordinary week. Um, as I said, he started well. He absolutely skinned. I think it was Mike Acevo one on one. It was a brilliant run, and then Brown chased him down. Um, it was a game. The Broncos got dominated. They, they didn't adjust to the new rules real well. Um, and credit to how good Parramatta were, but. Look, you're, if you're trading a bloke in who's looked as good as Stag so far this year and then trading him out a week later, um, yeah, you're not giving yourself much credit. So probably worth sticking with Stags going forward. Um, Greg Keane asked, with the new rules, especially the six again speeding up the play, we've talked about probably minutes-wise it's going to benefit, but how well is it going to benefit the really fit smaller forwards such as Yo, Cam Murray, uh, these sort of blokes? Is there anyone else you can see benef- benefiting from it? Wilson? Yeah, well, I think you saw it on the weekend. Um, I think Jazz Tabunga is probably a big one coming back, and John Bateman, depending on what they do with him. I mean, he's been you know sort of cloaked in controversy, and Ricky Stewart seems to have the shits a bit. But you'd not probably know more about that, Timmy. Like they might even start him off the bench the way the Raiders are going. They don't really need to bring him back in, but um, I think those two players are players that will come back and be very good. Uh, but, yeah, he's nailed it. You know, Yo and Cam Murray, particularly if Cam Murray moves to a lock role, um, will be very good. I think Twal is another one. You know, he was a little bit down, but some of it comes down to matchups. Like some teams, like like you said it yourself, Timmy, um, with the Sharks, they like to play left side and they tried to work over Joey Leilua and Nofo's side and they had some success with it. Dugan scored two tries. But if they come up against a team that plays them through the middle, then Twal will bang out his 50 or 60 tackles in 80 minutes. So some of it's matchup dependent. But, yeah, definitely suits those quicker um, players around the middle. Yeah, that's it. Another one who I think everyone's just hanging to see play big minutes is Brandon Smith down at Melbourne. If, God forbid, Cam Smith actually goes down injured one day, which has never happened in his career to date, or maybe even like a Dale for Nuke and, and um, uh, Brandon Smith was to get a start at locker or at hooker in big minutes, he'll benefit from it massively. He's just a little terrier there and will carve up through the centre of the rock, but at the moment he's just stuck on the bench and not really anything you can do about it. Um, Des, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Like, EO made his line break 72, I think, minutes into the game. So that's just a testament to his fitness. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be line breaks really late in games, I'd say, from a couple of the forwards. I even think people like Marty Tapao and Fanua Blake could benefit from it. Um, just tied forwards. Even the big guys, are still they'll still have value just crashing over, I'd say. Yeah, that's it. And then, I mean, the other one, the guys like... Um, even outside backs, your, your SR Masters, your Josh Mansors, these guys who come in and get involved and don't wait for the ball to come to them, who just terrorise in and around the ruck, um, they're guys who are going to benefit and, and get line breaks and get attacking stats off the back of a bunch of tackle tackle busts. So, yeah, um, they're, they're probably the guys for us anyway. All right, lads, good chat. Went for ages as per usual, but happy days. Um, guys, if anyone's interested, jump onto our socials. If you've got any questions or want to have a bit of a little bit more of a look at our content, uh, we're at SC playbook one on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So check it out. 
Thanks, Desi. Yeah, no worries. See you next week. Cheers, Walson. Hey, thanks, lads.